Time to catch the round the bell. Now, if I never thought that we're singing the theme song of ourselves and our voices are terrible, you should what, see me terrible? do... Well, what are you talking huh, about? I'm what are you talking about? Terrible? Huh. I, if they ever thought that... Golden voices. Listen. Beautiful singing. It's, it's, like, it's not like we have an experiment... Top notch. Top notch, man. We were joking about karaoke. And all, my friend here is a musician, so he see, he doesn't have to do karaoke because he plays guitar and he sings in his house, and he makes projects, and he does all sorts of lessons and things. Now me, who doesn't really, what do I do? I used to slam down a few beers at a karaoke place, a few blocks from me in the past few years, before my wife said, hey, time to grow up, stop doing that. But anyway. You don't do it anymore? I don't do it anymore because of COVID, and there's no opportunity. So we will make up for that. We but there was, more. right. But the thing is, what are people singing in karaoke is usually, look, it's going to sound terrible, but usually it's bad. It's like someone up there singing Billy Joel, New York State of Mind or something. And, you know, you're like making fun of the person, yeah, but you're like, that's what they want to hear. So I'll, you know. I'll tell you, talking about Billy Joel, you know, I will, uh, I will do my disclaimer. <laughs> my own personal sensibility. I, uh, I, I appreciate this guy as a composer and he's definitely a very unique guy, kind of marrying uh, like jazzy and Broadwayish and classical stuff into his uh, like songwriting but uh, it's not he's not my sensibility I mean he, his music never really moved me personally and stuff but there was a movie and I don't th even think that I saw the entire movie and there was a karaoke version in a movie of his song honesty very very Broadwayish kind of like power ballad song and uh, and this actress was singing I forgot her name she's in crazy hearts she's uh, She's there with, uh, and she has a brother who's actor. I, I can't remember the the last name starts with G. She sang that song, honesty, kind of like little off key parts and and kind of not right on point, but it was so good. So funny so you mentioned that. Man, what song is that? This so because she sold that song to me. Now I have right. a little more appreciation for Billy Joel, you know, as as a personal. So Listen, on the show, that's that's a good karaoke story. So on the show, <laughs> Succession, which seems to be one of the biggest shows on HBO, the 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 the, the financial titan's son, Kendall, he sings "Honesty" at his own birthday party. I mean, he has so, a birthday so party. So that, that, that song is called. Yeah, he dedicated it to himself, <laughs> and he goes and he's up there. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? But on on karaoke stuff, like what makes people sing this and that? So I'm, I was in and I, I sang in America, but then I was in Japan and. If you drink later, you're like, oh wow, they have like the best book for stuff. So all of a sudden you challenge it, and like, what? You got uh, 20, 21st uh, century skits, uh, so uh, Just disclaimer: it's a Japanese invention, and they 
right. they really branded it uh, right. around the world. So karaoke is Japanese right. thing that totally became big. 21st century schizoid man, King Crimson, getting to sing that. Now, the thing is, when you do karaoke and you do it, you literally have to make people sit through the instrumental pause. And they're sitting there. So what was your choreography there? I just sat there. And Can did, you describe? In, I, did air, I just did air guitar. Graphic way. I saw no reason not to do air guitar, so I did. And that was the first time I ever sang Run to the Hills from Iron Maiden. The problem is your voice just goes on Iron Maiden songs. Don't bite off more than oh, you can chew. I, I, I was trying to cover that the other day. It's oh. I mean to cover it as, as an instrumental. It's such a tricky song. Sorry. I always I enjoyed know. Two Minutes to Midnight, so I picked that. After a few drinks, you're like, oh, I could do this. And your voice is gone. Now, the one I wouldn't recommend doing also, Ace is High is too fast on the vocals. You think you can sing it. You're like, oh, I can do that. Here come the sirens. And then all lots of sudden, air. You get lots of air, you know. You might... Yeah, Yes. <laughs> well, your voice. So, so I, I would say this: Iron Maiden, great to sing, but bad for the lungs. And then, also, you know, karaoke is fun because as the night goes by, usually if you go to a certain place and the guy has a big karaoke book, you're filling out these stupid forms, and you're like, "I'm waiting for my turn." <laughs> and then, whatever, how many people sing, and then you'll get a second turn, third turn. But you know, God forbid, someone misses their turn, and the guy's like, "Hey, no, you can go do another one." So. We have a few beers, and all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, Perfect Strangers, Deep Purple. This is the night. Epic, I, epic, epic. I love it. And you do it, and you're wondering, <laughs> are people going to know you know, You know that Led Zeppelin's Kashmir, that's Deep Purple's Perfect Stranger. Exactly. That's Led Zeppelin's, well, that's Led Zeppelin's Perfect Stranger. That's a way to look at it. Led Zeppelin's Perfect Stranger. But yes. when you're singing it, and you're so into the song, you see, usually you see people that are older go, oh, yeah, I know, you know what that so if you go to a karaoke bar yeah, yeah. where everybody's like older, what kind of bars do you go? Which neighborhood? So, what kind of, so what like kind of this German German bar over over. We won't mention our, our physical locales <laughs> at various points, but let's just say in the Forest Hills area, in one place, there's a bar where it's an older crowd, and you you got as long if you bring their memory banks, you can handle it. So. I'm like, every time I saw people sing, again, you know, Billy Joel, Bruce Springs, I'm like, enough, enough. And they always say, the guy would always say, hey, you always sing some loud, like, and I go, I gotta do it, man. I'm falling asleep back there. So then all of a sudden, like, you're like, you know what? There's no reason not to sing Uriah Heep, Easy Living. And, and it's so, you know what? This song is like, it's not that easy to sing, actually, because it's two minutes, was it two minutes plus? And you're like, something before, Easy Living. And you're like, you're getting so serious in front of the mic. And people are looking at you going, wow, I wasn't that serious when I was singing Frank Sinatra's New York, New York. You know, everybody, you, you're always picking songs where you're like, I'm putting everything into this. All chips on the table. And something that get, gets picked probably once a year. Right. I don't think many people I, pick Iggy that. Pop, Lust for Life, <sighs> forget it. Yeah. How, that, that just goes. Rebel, Rebel, Bowie or things like that. Have yeah. I done? Yeah. Uh, I've, I I've done? I've done. Oh, oh. Panic in Detroit. I did that. That oh, made me feel... Oh, what, what a great choice. Oh, that, dude. That, that, that's a very unusual choice. That uh, oh, I, I'm oh. proud of you. Okay. Straker. Um, Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. Rolling Which Stones. Free? No, no, no. <laughs> Rolling that Stones. That a heavy one. Heart when you're uh -huh. doing like, Heartbreaker! Like, people looking at you... Or like you're nuts because you're, you're screaming well I didn't do that uh, oh that that should be another topic you know talking about that songs with the same different songs with the same name oh man that's a whole topic man and we'll, we will cover that but Qu quintessential this is very very important I'm trying to use my memory very banks man um oh Eloise by the Damned I did that um 
Oh, oh, Soldier of Fortune. Deep Purple. Because you're so, it's so ridiculous. Did they, play, did they play that at your wedding? Did they arrange that at your wedding? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those Especially. days are in my eyes. And you're in front of the microphone and everyone's looking at you like, what the hell is he doing? And then you look, I'm scowling at them going, dude, you don't know Soldier of Fortune from Deep Purple? And you're leave, leave, and you're leave freaking, the premises. And you leave said the, you liked white And you, you were friends or family? Yeah. Leave. Did, 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 you did don't care leave? about David Coverdale? Did I leave? Well, did, you, did you tell them to? No, but that's crazy, bro. We gotta get together. You know, people gotta get torn. Let's tour some relationships. But I've always been that. You know, if you're gonna do karaoke, like you gotta be way into it. So one day I say that to some guy. He gets all like, he, some guy looks. He just didn't look like <laughs> he did a terrible singer. And he's like, why do I gotta be all into it? I go, cause I say so, bro. How about choosing really long songs and then, like for example, close to the edge or something? Couldn't do that, but close to, <laughs> for long songs. I'll tell you the one I did once. So this dude who ran the karaoke at that bar I used to go to, he, he you know, the guy be sitting there the whole time. He's like a nice ex-cop guy. And um, all of a sudden he's like, oh, I got to use the, the men's room, etc." So I'm, I'm just like chit-chatting with him. And I'm like, all right, dude, I got it. This, this is how we're going to handle it. I'll do record of Edmund Fitzgerald from Gordon Lightfoot. It's an eight-minute song with choruses, no guitar solo. It's perfect. He's looking at me like, uh, oh, that might work. Yeah, I think so. So he puts it on. And you know what? That song is such right. a deep story, story song. Telling. Very, it's such a true song of a true story mm -hmm. that while you're singing it, you know what? You're getting emotional. You're feeling bad. You're like, oh my God, these freaking it's guys. Nice. He, he describes that. You know? Yeah, it's like it's tragedy terrible. that happened and he, he described it. Guy, yes, yeah, so DJ comes back from the bathroom after the last verse of the song's over, and I'm like, hey man, I'm transformed. Thank God we got to do this because you know I had to hear, I had to, I had to just sing that song. And who, mm. but so and the story? Can you explain the story behind the song? Well, so I can easily do that. So the record, uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald was a boat that uh, was up in like that that uh, was it called that lake like above Lake Erie, whatever the area between Canada and America, and. Um, they, you know, you can get some bad luck with those boats. So I looked this, you can go on YouTube and find this. And I've watched like three, four documentaries on it. Boat goes out, um, weather gets bad, can't see anything. And they they just had very bad radio, radio contact. They think the boat may have split in half underwater, mm -hmm. uh, totally submerged. And, you know, everybody died in the, in the boat. So... There's documentaries on when mm -hmm. when did the guy know the ship was going to hit the... They, don't, mm -hmm. they think it might have hit a rock by the shore. So you hear all these references in the song about the geography above that area and where it, it shipped uh, wood and all these different things to places. I'm using a lot of pronouns, mm -hmm. I apologize, but... It's the song is more descriptive than anything, yeah. and if you go on Wikipedia, and Gordon Lightfoot was very Gordon descriptive, Life, but he was like the ultimate, po very poetic. So he oh. he kind of uh, gave it a tribute. So th with that story behind the song and connecting it with uh, this specific karaoke situation, I think it makes it. I don't know what very, he would very, but I don't know what he would think about me using his song as a bathroom song for a DJ. I mean, I mean, for I think he would be happy. I think he might so be happy. He's a man with, uh, I think, uh, some nice sense of humor. And but but if you go into Prague, like people get annoyed because they just want to hear familiar and easy, right? So I would always think I was pushing it. Oh yeah, I'll sing this ELP song, Carnival Nine, Part Two. Okay, <laughs> you know and. Uh, you know, yes, I didn't have the range to do John Anderson, so I didn't really I push just it. Lower and, like, and, and I would always stay away from certain songs, but, you know, every once in a while, there'd be like some drunk Guido dude doing Heaven and Hell. <laughs> Heaven and 
in. And I'm looking at the guy going, wow, he's into it. So there's one guy, and I won't say his name, but I found the way he did this funny. Like, he he loved Marillion, right? Mm-hmm. And if he is older than me, and he like, yes, Marillion. And I saw Marillion twice in the 80s, and I'm like, cool. And he goes to the DJ. He's like this. He goes, hey, can you just play this song through the thing? And the guy's like, yeah, I don't have the thing with the lyrics. I don't need the lyrics. He goes, so you're just going to play it on screen? He goes, yep. You just played a song. So he's got no lyrics on the screen. He's memorizing you. And the song was The Uninvited Guest. And he's up there singing. And he's um, he's singing as if he's like Richard Harris singing MacArthur Park, you know, singing the song. And all these old people are like, oh, my God, I'm going to buy this record tomorrow. And I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> and then I asked him, I'm like. No, I have to hear the song now. I mean, uninvited, I'm so intrigued. The Uninvited Guest. I have a picture and in my mind and I have to connect it to actual you might throw someone out of your house after hearing it I mean you might be like get out but I mean it's like but he did that like one other time and and he would reach onto a song but I was the only guy in the room that knew what it was I'm like I'm like dude you should be glad we're having this conversation I go so I want to see a little more gratitude and a little less attitude because what like there's another guy coming in going oh uh can we sing something of the other era of Marillion with the other vocalist come on dude I'm your only you know yay so, you know, you always find ones where you're looking around the audience going, uh, who am I doing this for, me, them? You're, you're always in between entertaining it's yourself. It's, it's a phenomenon. It know, definitely phenomenon, is. You know, like karaoke and, uh, you know, who is abusing or who is enjoying their, or who is, I, what, what are the drive, what drives who to do what they do? <laughs> I was thinking going up in karaoke once and then just turn on the mic and going, this is my tribute to John Cage, and then shutting the mic off until someone right. makes a noise. What do you think? And then, <laughs> and then maybe just turn it on at the end uh, and uh, throw it on the floor because I think that's a big thing. Right. With, uh, and then they would get rid of this arty loser. Throw him out now. And then like people would throw you in the street of a bar that doesn't even have a bouncer. The, the, the patrons would go, "That's okay. We'll do it. Get out of here." So. You know, you can have fun with it, but I mean, you need, you need some beers and some friends hanging around. Because in your mind, you think you sing well, and in your mind, you think everything's great. So it's really like it's. I I appreciate you know it, I appreciate shamelessness of people in general, you know, and uh, there it takes guts to go on stage, you know, to do anything. So it's uh, absolutely supported, you know. It's kind of. Uh, takes a special person to go on stage and sing, you know, <laughs> that's the, that's I did, the I, oh, oh, I did Love is the Drug, that was cool, Roxy, uh-huh. you feel like a million bucks, you're like, I am Brian Ferry, <laughs> and you know, you're, you're singing it, and you're like, the problem is with the, with the song being 1975, and let's say there's millennials, there's no connection between, they're like, Love is the Drug and I need to score, oh, and they're, they're not, they're not getting any connection of coolness so much but in your mind you're like that's right ladies over 40 50 that's me that's what I, and then you're like oh god but you know <laughs> great the nostalgia effect is so so strong that i always think of you know if i if i did the karaoke i would probably choose private dancer and uh when there's a line uh i'm gonna make a million dollars i would uh, i would say i'm gonna make a hundred dollars I think that that would give it a different uh, perspective there. Is that the Bernie Madoff after the million dollars disappears version? No, like I, 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 I mean, that they're just like there's always like there's certain numbers that are idealized, 
and I think in different uh, contexts, a different number can be ideal. Maybe it can be twenty dollars. Now on the gonna make twenty dollars, right? So then you think like how person makes twenty dollars or how person makes million dollars or like what is the? Is it that song? On the video, where for no reason at all, even though he knew her, in the video you see Cy Kernan from The Fix looking around the curtain. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I believe it's that song. If I'm wrong, fine. It's another freaking Tina Turner video from the same album, same era. But like she's singing, it's almost like they're trying. Like if you didn't know who Cy Kernan was, it would have no. You'd have no connection, right? I've seen Cy Kernan with The Fix and open uh, open for the Moody Blues in 1986. Wonderful. So in the video, I know he wrote something for her or something, but she's singing, she's doing her thing, and then the camera diverts to this guy just looking out from behind the stage and then going back, and I'm like, is that his cameo? And they kept showing, it's almost like it's a distraction. It's a great cameo. It's like a great <laughs> distraction, you know, which people do. It's kind of a cameo to be proud of. When you're cameoing in a video, so, you know, now, if I was going to do karaoke and I was going to do, um, what if you karaoke'd Tina Turner doing the White Snake song, uh, the one that he wrote for her. Which one? No, but but actually, which song did he write for her? He, he wrote it. Is, for is it her. He wrote for her, but uh, he never gave it to her. He's but no, no, he wrote. But but if I if I imitated her singing that song, oh yeah, inside the White Snake. What about that? How oh, is that? That, 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 would, that would be great. How's that for a freaking thing? That would be great. You know, like my personal sensibility. I, uh, when that album came out, and I was a fan of Whitesnake, you know, growing up, I liked that kind of British bluesy. I'm one of those people who like British bluesy, not money-making phase. That's right. Like, the uh, non-money-making phase. And not really, uh, and not, don't like really the phase after. I appreciate that he, he became successful. No, understood. He, he's so deserved, you know, and he's, he's so, uh, like, a reasonable, business-oriented guy, you know. But from, you know, music fan level, you know, I never got really... Inspired, and I didn't actually like that album. I admit now it's a high quality album, but I, uh, for my personal sensibility, now I didn't really get into it. But that is a really great song, and I didn't like that uh, original version. You know, with that kind of like uh, production was, I, I didn't like that production in, in general. You know. That uh, American slang, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that um, that song. I, when I heard in his uh, in David Coverdale's uh, acoustic version, they did this acoustic version in Tokyo where they played in a big room and they they kind of stripped down ten songs from their career and it's kind of uh, it's a karaoke for your own music reinventing right <laughs> the stuff and uh, and he did that song so I realized the greatness of that song Same. such a good song so uh, and then when I watched some interview he said actually that he was supposed to it was written for Tina Turner but then somebody told him you know what. Keep this for yourself, you know. It's gonna, it's gonna mean something to you. And he, he kept it, and it really, uh, it worked for him, you know. But he, yeah, wow. Tina Turner sang it, man. That's that's a good, that's such, such a good. Uh, but I could do that. I could do that. I gotta sing something that you like that excites you, and that's why when people sing like they're sleepy in karaoke, I'm like, man, you're doing a disservice. It's terrible, you know. <laughs> like the song Belfast Child, old song remade by Simple Minds, 1989. I'm not Irish. I sing it like I am. Meanwhile, Simple Minds is a Scottish band. Who cares? He made it sound exciting. When my true love says to me. And it's a great song about the Belfast child will sing again. It's awesome. But you put a few in you and it's freaking St. Patrick's Day. You're the hero. Who does want to hear that? Oh, man. Like they're talking about that. This would be probably a very 
very uh, popular karaoke song in Ireland. It's called Summer in Dublin. And the band is Bagatelle, yeah. I forgot it. But actually, I, uh, I, uh, I was introduced to that song by a friend of mine who is a piano player. He's uh, Irish and he plays in, uh, in New York City in uh, piano bars and he's very uh, 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 successful in that. He works in, in many different, different places, but he, uh, he introduced that song, uh, that song to me and then I discovered the original version. It's so full of nostalgia feeling like it, it's so like karaoke almost like made for karaoke performers you know? like so check out summer in dublin oh, i'll do that so. as opposed to summer in siam from the pogues and a summer in siam that's um my invitation to shane mcgowan saw the pogues 2006 saint patrick's day in times square boom so was it sony theater or whatever the hell theater it was before that it was really good nokia theater oh that was awesome so yeah. but when you I think all, all the same location with the but uh, oh, oh another good I saw Motorhead there another that, good that, that place that song uh, there's a there's a Pogue song you gotta be in there you gotta have the right audience to do the uh, if you're gonna karaoke something if, and people are gonna know it and they have it Turkish Song of the Damned by the Pogues awesome because it's not a long song you get into it you get out of it you know but like I say COVID has put a dent in karaoke so there's been no reason to show up somewhere and say, hey, listen to me, I'm going to do this song. So people do it in your showers, do it uh, do it for your loved ones. Right. And uh, and maybe if you dislike somebody, maybe do some karaoke for them as well. Right. Depending on it, it all depends on the context, choice of, choice of songs, and you know, many different elements. The quality of a singer, like moment in time, like a level of into intoxication, I guess. There's so many factors. There are that uh, that affect karaoke experience. Be be the the person you want to be singing it. Just make it happen. Um, this was a fun little episode, but there'll be other episodes similar to this on another. Catch the roundabout.